what jumped out to me is, you know, why aren't there a standardized set of really compelling deliverables, products that every civil affairs element produces, that every deployed CIMIC element produces? We're going to investigate this and we're going to present it in this particular way. And it's something that everyone is going to expect. The, the, I, I said the customer, Stefan didn't like the term customers because it implies that CA and CIMIC are external sort of service providers. And I, and I get that. I don't know a better way to, to, to phrase it, where CA and CIMIC are providing insight. They're providing a service. With Tesla government's knowledge management solutions, you are adding a strategic partner that helps unleash the full power and potential of your institutional information. Let us unpack your data and put your knowledge to work. Learn more at teslagov.com. LC38brand.com, the civil affairs lifestyle brand. A little bit of something for everybody. T-shirts, polos, shorts, hats, flags, posters for your walls, and stickers for everything else. Items for citizen soldiers of USA KPOC and warrior diplomats at Fort Bragg alike. LC38brand.com. It's cool to like your job. Welcome to the 1CA Podcast. My name is John McElligot, your host for today's episode. This is part one of a two-part discussion with Lieutenant Colonel Stefan Mulek and Dr. Nicholas Crowley. We'll be covering a comparison of doctrine between U.S. military civil affairs forces and NATO CIMIC. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to the 1CA Podcast. My name is John McElligot your host for today's episode, and we're joined by Colonel Stefan Mulek and Mr. Nick Crowley. Colonel Mulek is Branch Chief of Concepts, Interoperability, and Capabilities Branch of the NATO Civil Military Cooperation Center of Excellence, which is located in The Hague, Netherlands. He's also a German officer assigned to NATO CIMIC, and Nick is Principal of Frontline Advisory, which he founded in 2011. He's a practitioner of civil reconnaissance with experience working on behalf of the U.S. government and its allies around the world. He holds PhD and MA degrees from King's College London and a BA degree from Yale University. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey, John, good to have you or good to be with you. <laughs> yes, gentlemen. Yeah, I really appreciate this. And uh, Colonel Mulek, I've connected with you, I think, virtually once or twice before. But I'm wondering if you can tell us more about your background, what you've done in the, the German Armed Forces and your experience at NATO CIMIC, which sort of brings to bear... The, the perspective that you have now going into doctrine analysis and comparison. Yeah, sure. The very beginning, I uh, joined as a cadet of the combat engineers of the German army uh, in 1995. And I uh, ran through a regular officer cadet career uh, with uh, regular promotions and, and leadership functions until after 10 years in uh, 2005. It was the first time I was assigned to a CIMIC unit in Germany. And since then, since 2005, I had most of my assignments uh, related to CIMIC on the national, on all levels, from the, the tactical CIMIC unit up to the Ministry of Defense. And I also uh, went on several missions, five to Afghanistan. Three of them were related to CIMIC, and I uh, covered CIMIC there on the lowest tactical level as a liaison monitoring team leader uh, in a PRT. 
Then I worked in the uh, Regional Command North as a liaison officer and also in the ISAF headquarter uh, at that time, ISAF headquarter in J9 plans. So I would say I covered all those uh, levels in the field and nationally and in NATO before I was posted here as a branch chief uh, in 2019. I had five years in the Joint Force Command Brunsum, J9 CIMIC, first as a, a desk officer in the policy plans and operations section, and then as the section chief of the liaison section. So I would say quite a good fundament of practical experience and, and mission experience and NATO experience all related to CIMIC. In addition to that, I, I can mention that I'm studying a master program called Master in Civil Military Interaction, which is uh, yeah, a joint adventure of the Helmut Schmidt University, University of the German Armed Forces in Hamburg and the CIMIC Center of Excellence. So that's my CIMIC background. I hope I didn't bother you too much. That's a good CIMIC background, sir. No, thank you very much. And that's obvious that you bring a lot to the table. Nick, anything else that you want to share about your background in Iraq, for example, other work that you've done with NATO, with NATO CIMIC, and the crossover, my understanding is you speak very well the, the CA language and understand CA and CIMIC as well. So you understand that the breadth and the comparison, obviously, that we're talking about today. But anything else that you want to share about your background and training? I can do a short and sweet. I mean, I've been in the business of what we're now calling civil reconnaissance since about 2007, initially with the human terrain system back when they had that mandate. And since 2011, have been on my own as an advisor, you know, to the US, to the Brits, to NATO, and most interestingly, maybe to some of our partners like the Iraqis, the Nigerians, uh, the Ukrainians, etc., giving process and method to look at the civil environment. Thank you so much. How did this project come about? Colonel Mulek, I want to start with you first. Was this something that, that NATO CIMIC was looking at for a while? Or is there, I know that some of your doctrine is, is under review and being updated right now, but why now? Why this comparison and analysis right now? Actually, when I took over this position from my predecessor in uh, fall 2019, he introduced me to that uh, project. He said, uh, we have started something as I had made up my mind uh, thinking about how can we increase interoperability and where should we look at when we want to make uh, NATO CIMIC doctrine more consistent, where it is worth looking at. And uh, he said, yeah, as the USA are the greatest contributor of um, civil military capabilities to the alliance, it's definitely worth to have a look at, at the way that they um, apply civil affairs and uh, bring that closer together with uh, the NATO CIMIC. So I was convinced that this is a good idea. And together with my former deputy, Major uh, Sabah Shabo, we uh, pushed that project forward. During the, I would say, challenging time of, of, of COVID as well, on three lines of effort, one is training and education, one is doctrine, and the other uh, line of effort is uh, academia. So it was hard for us to find on the, the doctrine side, it was really hard for us to find 
an individual that has the knowledge, the access, and uh, also the ability to properly assess that and express that in, in words so that it's sophisticated but understandable. And it was uh, yeah, our third attempt with Niklas, and we were super happy that um, he was able and willing to help us out to work with us in that doctrine comparison. And uh, we thought, yeah, before we can work on an increased interoperability, we have to identify similarities and also differences, and then emphasis on the similarities. And, and uh, we found out that we have a lot of issues and uh, challenges in common in NATO CIMIC and in, in US civil affairs. So there is a lot of things uh, that that challenge us in a very similar way. Sir, thank you very much. And uh, just a second, I want to ask you to give us broad strokes about what they are, and we'll go into more detail. But Nick, I want to ask you next, sort of big picture. In civil affairs, US Army, we use FM 3-57. That was updated more recently, a couple of years ago, 2019, 2020, I believe. So just in the last couple of years, the force is still digesting that material and trying to understand the differences and the parts that really should matter into incorporating and training and so on. And CIMIC, I understand, is, is going through some changes with its doctrine at NATO. That stuff takes a while. So it's sort of a big picture question for you right now about the process for updating doctrine, how quickly you can predict the force or the, the training and what you need for the future. U.S. military right now is focused a lot on large-scale combat operations. We still understand that the gray zone, understand small conflicts happen, but LISCO, large-scale combat operations, great power competition, all those terms that we throw out. That process takes about two years, at least, for something to churn through the system typically and come out the other end. Sometimes it's, it's faster than that, but typically two years or three years. So what's your view, Nick, on, on CA and CIMIC, how quickly we evolve doctrine and whether it ever matches up to the threats that we have to deal with on a daily basis? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a moving target, right? And, you know, CA, I think, has redone their doctrine twice in the last four or five years, which is indicative of, you know, broader changes afoot of some, I think, some uncertainty of what CA wants to do with the lessons of the last 20 years and the trend lines of the next five to 10. That's not an easy problem to solve. And it's an unenviable task for people in a doctrine writing capacity to sit there and say, all right, you know, how do we consolidate the good things that happened over the last two decades and then reframe that into what people are talking about now? And I don't think there is a great way to do that. And one of the things we tried to really focus on in this paper was to, to look at the fundamentals. You know, that there isn't a ton of talk about great power competition uh, or counterinsurgency for that matter in this paper. It's really looking at what are CA and CIMIC trying to do? What are they being asked to do? And what tools and, and capacities do they have to execute? And this is where Stefan alluded to a lot of shared challenges where I don't think it matters if you're looking at the last 20 years or the next 10. There are fundamental issues with the way that NATO looks at CIMIC and the way that the U.S. military looks at civil affairs that have to get aired out and taken head on. And 
you know, I, I don't think we can get to finding the niche for CA and great power competition until we have that conversation. You know, I, I think one of the reasons that that I was able to come in and add value on this is that I'm not a part of CA or Cynic. And so I can be maybe a bit more direct or, you know, I, I can speak my mind a bit and write freely. Uh, and, and Stefan and his team were very accommodating to that, that, you know, there's a, a line in the paper, you know, questioning whether or not NATO or the U.S. military take CA and Simic seriously. I'm not at all convinced they do, despite the fact we just spent 20 years f- fighting ostensibly, you know, population-centric wars. So how do we figure that out? How do we understand where CA and Simic fit into the institutions they serve? And what do those institutions want from these capabilities? And once you have that figured out, or you've started an honest conversation there, you can start figuring out, all right, you know, the U.S. military wants this, this, and this from CA. How are we going to deliver? But that's, again, I, I think part of the conversation we're trying to drive with this paper is to make that, that happen, uh, to get some hard answers and to have some, frankly, I think, pretty difficult conversations about what CA and CIMIC want to be. And, and then once we figure that out, well, how are they going to be? It? Yeah, that's a good point. And maybe we'll get back to this later on, but the United States is just one country. Yes, a very big country, very complicated. A lot of uh, military force that we have and a lot of capabilities we bring to the table. And we've got our hands in the cookie jar for every part of the world. NATO has many other allied nations as partners in the uh, the Confederation and people that come to the table for CIMIC. So I would imagine it's a lot more complicated. As an outsider, Nick, what have you seen for how easily or, or how difficult it's been for NATO CIMIC to come to the table to talk about, hey, what's the doctrine that we need next? Uh, I mean, I think each country is going to do CIMIC in a slightly different way. And Stefan can probably speak in more detail to this with his experience from, uh, from Afghanistan. But, you know, my interactions with CIMIC have found a, a pretty consistent view of the challenges that the capability faces. You know, they might execute in slightly different ways. They may have slightly different mandates, different force structures, resource allocation, but they're up against the same challenge. They're up against the same problem, frankly, of you know, how do we accomplish a really broad and somewhat loosely defined or vaguely defined mission set with very, very limited resources. And, and that's, I think, much more acute for CIMIC in NATO than it is for civil affairs, even in the States, where the same problem is there, but you know, dollar for euro or however you want to do that, uh, I, I think civil affairs is in a stronger position. So, you know, I almost, I, without punting on it, I, I turn it over to, to Stefan for his view within the CCOE of, you know, how the different countries come together. Yeah, sir. Yeah, thanks, Nick. It was nice, nice uh, description. Like I, I would start with saying that the, the process for NATO doctrine is standardized and it's uh, a long circle. So the last time the CIMIC doctrine was published was in uh, uh, 2018. And with the publication of the new uh, doctrine, you already start the cycle of initiating the next review and and update. So uh, first of all, you do an uh, assessment of the applicability and uh, the usability of your your new version so you you make an uh, an assessment of how good is it used and is it usable by uh, troops uh, in mission or 
as long as you don't have missions uh, in exercises. And that's what uh, was running f uh, to 19 uh, to 20. And then in the uh, end of last year, we as the custodian, CIMIC Center of Excellence, as the custodian for, for NATO CIMIC doctrine was tasked formally by the NATO headquarters to uh, initiate the, the update cycle. And this update cycle will last until uh, November 2023, where we have planned to publish the new AJP 319. In this case, it was necessary to yeah reframe our our focus from a purely mission and operation focused doctrine to a doctrine that covers also baseline activities and and I don't want to call them peacetime activities as we are describing this as the competition continuum but it it has to be applicable before the threshold of deploying armed forces into an armed conflict and that that's the greatest shift and, and and challenge that we had to update the definitions for civil military cooperation the definition for civil military interaction to make them fit for purpose for uh, this continuum of competition where we find ourselves in uh, long before we are in an in an armed conflict and yeah, just agreeing to that, uh, what, what Nick said earlier, that we, we share issues where CIMIC has to find the role and also has to sell that role and to create the understanding and the acceptance within the rest of the military community that they understand these are unique capabilities of, of CIMIC branded elements. And uh, this is why they contribute significantly to, to mission success. And, and uh, that is, I told you earlier that I do CIMIC since 2005. And since 2005, I have discussions with non-CIMICers. What is the role of CIMIC? Uh, what are you doing? And especially when it comes to Article 5 and, and uh, kinetic operations, What's the role of CIMIC in warfighting? Super strange discussion for us because our mindset is that we have to define CIMIC, its core activities and effects uh, that it can create applicable in all operations and in all phases of the continuum of competition. So, yeah, I don't want to say frustrating, but it's, it's challenging to develop that idea and to convince the non-CIMIC community of, of that, for us, super obvious what it is. And, and if, you, if you want, I think that would be the substance of our, of our conversation today when, when we talk about what we, what we think that is and, and what we found out in our comparison as a parallel challenge. Sir, exactly. Uh, we'll take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into this comparison that you've done, the analysis, your recommendations as well, and how we go forward. We'll be right back. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Everywhere you look, there's a barrage of emails and information telling you what everybody has done, is doing, or plans to do, all in excruciating detail. 
but access is only half the battle. You also need information presented in a usable form. But that takes work, and the more information you have, the more work it takes. Tesla government takes on these issues so that your office or agency can fully exploit the data you already have. Our knowledge management experts organize and curate your internal data. Our open source research augments your knowledge base with strategic insights from our globally experienced team. And our data visualization turns complex data into compelling visuals, while our community building makes sure everyone benefits by leveraging collective knowledge. With Tesla government's knowledge management solutions, you are adding a strategic partner that helps unleash the full power and potential of your institutional information. Let us unpack your data and put your knowledge to work. Learn more at teslagov.com. LC38brand.com, the civil affairs lifestyle brand. Something for everyone. The world traveler, the civil engager, the warrior diplomat. We got t-shirts, polos, shorts, hats, flags and posters for your walls, and stickers for everything else. Celebrating the heritage of civil affairs, from the civil reconnaissance of Lewis and Clark through the monuments men of World War II and companies of Vietnam. Repping the present teams of the Global War on Terror, with items for citizen soldiers of use of KPOC and warrior diplomats at Fort Bragg alike. Collections include suits and shoots for fans of jumping out of airplanes and looking good, Pineland to remember your trip to the People's Republic, and Lewis and Clark to honor the two party animals who popularized huge DTS vouchers. You want Pipox? We got Pipox. New items all the time. Custom flags, stickers, and shirts? Send us an email. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at LC38Brand or contact us at info at LC38Brand.com. LC38Brand.com. It's cool to like your job. Welcome back to the 1CA podcast. Our discussion today with Dr. Nick Crowley and Lieutenant Colonel Stefan Mulek. Gentlemen, you've done this amazing analysis. The paper is only 31 pages, so I recommend everyone go find a copy, which we'll link in the show notes and read it for yourselves. As uh, Colonel Mulek had mentioned earlier in the first half of the show, we were talking about how difficult, age-old problem, I guess, of trying to talk with conventional special operations force commanders and staffs and other troops about the value of civil affairs, the value of CIMIC. Doctrine in part drives that conversation. I, I know there's sort of a, a joke, I guess, that our forces can read this doctrine. They can look at it as well. But uh, especially in the U.S. side, forces are notorious for not reading our own doctrine. So like, you can read the stuff that's online. You can find it everywhere. But does it matter? Because we're not following our own doctrine to some degree. However, it's out there. It exists. It's a guideline. It's not uh, you know, something that the forces should be following in lockstep, but it's a guideline about what to do and why it matters. Nick, first to you, what were some of your key findings when you did this analysis, your key takeaways? And one that stuck out to me, I'll just sort of a teaser for people, is that we're overselling the capabilities, overselling what we can actually deliver. But what really stuck out to you, Nick, about some of the key findings of your analysis? Yeah, I mean, there's two things, I guess. One, you know, there's this idea of overselling it. And I, I don't know if that's a fair way to put it. I think that CA and CIMIC have sort of wound up with what you call it 90% of every operational environment, all things civilian, right? So 90% is arbitrary, but it, it's somewhere around there, right? Wherever you go. Eastern Ukraine now, right now, is still a majority civil environment, you know, in that fight. CIMIC and CA have to deal with 
all of that, you know, from mediation, negotiation, to humanitarian stuff, to civil assessment, to, you know, key leader engagement. It's, there's tons to be done. And if you look at the resourcing, you know, how many simicers are there in NATO? How many civil affairs professionals are there in the U.S.? And when we deploy, what does that look like? How many, how many individuals are physically there to do the job? And is it realistic in any possible way? I mean, how can we expect this to, to happen? And it goes back to a, a wider argument of, and I don't think this is on CA, I think it's on the Army, I think it's on NATO, is at a high level, it hasn't been taken seriously enough to look at it objectively and, and harshly and say, what do we really want here? Okay, and how do we create a capability that can realistically deliver that? I, I don't think that conversation's ever really happened for civil affairs or for CIMIC. And you know, when we look at what the capability can do to resolve that, because we didn't want to just complain in this paper or, or be critical. You know, John, you, you talked about you know when we go out and we deploy, we do things a little bit differently. I'd say we kind of wing it or we do it our own way. I saw the exact same thing in the human terrain system back in the day, uh, and that's part of what did in that program. And what jumped out to me is you know why aren't there a standardized set? of really compelling deliverables, products, that every civil affairs element produces, that every deployed CIMIC element produces. We're going to investigate this, and we're going to present it in this particular way, and it's something that everyone is going to expect. The, the, I, I say that the customer, Stefan didn't like the term customers, because it implies that CA and CIMIC are external sort of service providers, and I, and I get that. I don't know a better way to, to, to phrase it, where CA and CIMIC are providing insight, they're providing a service to the forces they support. And it always looks a little bit different. And so, you know, the, the client, if you will, doesn't necessarily know what they're going to get, or they'll have an idea of what they think they want, and they'll shape it that way. You know, CA and CIMIC need a, a brand. They need to produce something that's compelling and actionable and exciting. And there's nothing in doctrine that comes anywhere close to that. And we go through the different products or, or outputs that are prescribed by doctrine. You know, the running estimate, the area study, things like that. You know, this isn't sexy stuff, right? And they're produced differently by different people with a very limited toolkit. You know, it goes back to the, the question of professionalization. I mean, it's unthinkable to have a conversation like this about, you know, J2 work. You know, if every, you know, military intelligence unit kind of did its own thing and found its own way, there's no chance that would be accepted or sustained over time by the Army. No way. So why do we think we can do it? And, you know, there are suggestions in the paper about what that product could be, what it could look like. We can get into that later on if you want. But that, again, when we talk about things within the power of CA and CIMIC to fix, without a lot of money, without a lot of, of anything else happening, just by initiative and a sense of urgency, we can do that quickly and start producing things that people want. And that, in turn, defines what the capabilities deliver. And I think that that's the easiest thing we could do to avoid everyone who deploys from CIMIC and CA having to show up on day one and explain who they are and explain what they do. Because the, the requirement to produce this thing that everybody wants and everyone values precedes them, and they're accountable to deliver it. That, to me, is, again, sort of urgency, you know, urgent step number one, that if you made me, you know, king for the day, uh, I'd institutionalize. Yeah, Okay. Colonel Mulek, do you see the same thing in, in NATO, with NATO CIMIC, that uh, NATO does not appreciate or does not understand 
this focus or the need to focus on the the ninety percent that Nick talks about the civil environment? Yeah, actually, I can I can go back far earlier than than my NATO experience. My own uh, tactical training and education as an officer, when when I went to the officers academy officers course before I was qualified to be promoted to lieutenant, I was teached, trained, and, and also examined in tactics. And I was acting uh, as a, a battalion commander of a mechanized uh, infantry battalion, like every army officer is, no matter where, whether he's an engineer or logistics or, or communications, they all have to understand how an enforced mechanized infantry battalion will, will act. And we were focusing heavily on the enemy situation. And the second point in our list to go through was the civil situation. And that was uh, handled in the following way. It was one sentence which said uh, the civil population was evacuated. And then uh, under number three, it was the own situation where we extensively wrote and, and thought about about the capabilities and capacities of our own forces and how we would best apply them uh, against our our enemy. So it was, a, from the beginning, an artificial simplification of reality. So we, we just excluded the most complex part of what we face in real-life operations, which is the civil environment, because we, if, if, if you want to make a, a comparison, if you want to draw a picture, is like the, the classic combat functions. They plan a football match, one team against the other. They, they plan tactics and, and movements and everything. What they forget is we don't play on a football field, but we have to play on a fully crowded marketplace without destroying anything or without hurting anybody uh, on that marketplace while we have our football match against the opposing team. I hope that makes kind of sense the way I put it as a non-American and, and non-football professional. But yeah, imagine the added complexity and, and the, the, the change required in, in, in thinking and the, the many, many factors more to consider in order to to uh, win that game properly when you would play in a crowded uh, marketplace rather than in an in a empty stadium. So it is obvious, absolutely obvious, that it's complex and complicated. But as we were trained and educated from the beginning to, to focus on our military enemy and not on neutral and or friendly or somehow adverse civilian individuals or organizations. It's, it's easier if you leave out the, the contributions of, of CIMIC and what the CIMICers and other staff functions who contribute to execute the joint function CIMIC in, in assessing the civil environment what they have to bring together and to analyze and assess it, it's such a complex, complex endeavor that you just fail if you are not properly trained and equipped for that. And this is what we, what we are currently facing. So we have a, a super complex task, but we have quite low 
capabilities and capacities to do that. So we deliver nothing or a poor product. And because of that, this is not appreciated and it's not relevant in the decision-making process. And it happens that everybody contributes obviously consciously or uh, subconsciously to, to analyzing and assessing the civil factors in the operating environment but it's not done comprehensively and uh, under lead and, and coordination of CIMIC or civil affairs as the J2 intelligence uh, would do it for, for the analysis and assessment of, of the opposing forces, the, the enemy. So that's, I would say, we, we call it a chicken and egg discussion. Was it first that uh, CIMIC did not properly deliver or was it first that, yeah, we... we did not have the the capacities and, and capabilities, didn't have even the the option to deliver a relevant and a proper decisive product that that we are talking. And I think we it's also fair to say that that we agree that instead of trying to be the master of all trades, no correction, instead of being the jack of all trades and the master of none we should really focus on our on our core capability and develop a unique unique selling point in order to to gain the reputation that that we we need in order to be able to get the resources that we need to do our job properly does that yeah. make sense it does sir it does thank you for spending some time with us Please subscribe and come back for another installment of 1CA. Until then, be safe and secure the victory. In civil affairs, your success depends on getting the right information to the right people at the right time. Whether it's foundational information for a team about to head out on a mission or putting together a map or other data visualization to brief a general or an ambassador, Tesla Government Solutions and staff can help. With Tesla Government's Knowledge Management Solutions, you're adding a strategic partner that helps unleash the full power and potential of your information. Let us unpack your data and put your knowledge to work. Learn more at teslagov.com. LC38brand.com, the civil affairs lifestyle brand. A little bit of something for everybody. T-shirts, polos, shorts, hats, flags and posters for your walls, and stickers for everything else. Celebrating the heritage of civil affairs from the civil reconnaissance of Lewis and Clark through the monuments men of World War II and companies of Vietnam. Representing the present teams of the global war on terror, we have items for citizen soldiers of USA Kapok and warrior diplomats at Fort Bragg alike. LC38brand.com. It's cool to like your job.